Hey, Pip, have you seen this? What? Hey, Amanda, have you heard that? What? Hey, have you been there, Jacinta? You're listening to the live podcast from Shire Pod, and we are keeping you connected to the Sutherland Shire community with this brand new podcast coming from a cafe near you. And good morning and welcome to the Been There podcast. I am your host, Pip. And I'm your host, Amanda. I am the Shire Pod Junior Sports Reporter, Dylan. And this podcast is brought to you by the Sutherland Shire Podcast Station. And all those listening to this live broadcast on Podbean, shoot us through a message and let us know where you are listening to or any questions you have for our guests around the world. As we've noticed, we've got a few for coming in from Canada and Great Britain. The Been There podcast is bringing you the good news, entertainment, events, weather and local sporting in the Sutherland Shire. And today we're broadcasting live from Minichini's Espresso on Allura Beach in Cronulla, marking our 11th episode. And we're pretty excited because you are, if you are listening to the replay of this podcast, we want to thank you. This podcast is being brought to you by the Local Business Awards who are recognising those business owners who have provided exceptional customer service going above and beyond. We know that you know when you cross those bridges over the Georges River and Alfred's Point or drive under the waterfall overpass, you're home. And despite everything that is going on in the world, this is where it's all happening. Some of those finalists include Heart and Soul Cafe, Ground Bake, Sea Beauty Medispa, In Between Tangerine, Natara's Fish Market, Shelley Park Shop, Anytime Fitness, Nicole Hudson Hair and Beauty Salon, Tony and Guy Cronulla and Siltoria Hair Glamour. Now we have been all over the Shire visiting cafes to share their stories, enjoy their food and coffee and create engagement and connections. Yeah, from Cafe 1770 in Cornell to the Pavement Cafe in Southgate, Fired Up Barbecue Burgers in Ingadine, Sweet Mayhem in Sutherland, The Boathouse in Warrenora, Georgie Borgie Cafe in Miranda, Vitalo Cafe in Lilypilly, The Tea House in Camellia Gardens and Knuckleheads Cafe in Kirawee as well as Cafe Y. Just want to say a big shout out to Shell, loving you girlfriend, hoping that you are okay this week. I'm thinking of you every day and Ya Kitty, love that name. Would like to know where she's listening from. <laughs> so wow, like, you know, remembering each episode and the guests and the really great conversations, it really does give me goosebumps. Like we've really created um, special podcasts for the Sutherland Shire community. It's been over 13 hours of audio. Uh, we've mentioned over 450 businesses and all brought to you by five amazing hosts. And you are one of them. And so are you. <laughs> so I'd just like to thank my fellow Shire women members who have stepped up and sat behind the mic during these episodes. They are a fabulous female-centric network focusing on connecting and educating women in business. And their next event is actually going to be held on the 16th of October at 9am and you can get tickets from Eventbrite. And also a shout-out to Mayor Carmela Pesk who is a local business owner in the Sutherland Shire and you'll hear an interview with him um, from the Gotcha for Life 24-hour row uh, a few weeks ago with the entire episode dropping today at midday. So that's yeah. great. 
And it's funny because that's what connects us today. We are at Banachini's. Now, we're going to have a debate about how you say that, but we would love Camillo to actually call call in and tell us how to say it properly. (laughs) It's Banachini's Espresso today. It's an Italian-inspired coffee uh, cafe overlooking the sands of Allura Beach. Here inside, the Allura Surf Club, serving delicious Italian coffee, light meals, and some of those beautiful cakes I saw. Well, this is my first time here and it is absolutely stunning. The outlook is beautiful and I just have to mention the tiles because they are amazing. Look, I have actually been to Santorini and this is not quite that, but it comes pretty close. It's absolutely beautiful. This is one of the of the three locations where Bancini's are located. They're also in Gaimi and the Cronulla Mall. And Carmelo is the owner of these three popular cafes and we appreciate his talented team hosting the broadcast today. We do. Today's podcast is focused on raising awareness and creating conversations around our Now, coincidentally, yesterday was actually World Suicide Prevention Day and Are You OK Day just happened to fall on it. It's normally held on the second Thursday of September and it's a national awareness campaign used as a reminder and a day of action for people to take notice of their family, friends and colleagues. It's a day to ask the question, are you okay? And I can tell you, I did get quite a number of I'm okays. So I was really happy to hear that from my friends. It's nice. And now we just need to carry the conversation on, don't we, throughout the year with family and friends and just check in because that's, you know, what we need to be doing. Where will we know that people are struggling in life? And sometimes that opportunity, we just need to create that opportunity um, so that they can say something. It's such an important topic and you don't need to be an expert to reach out and listen. Our guests today are here to share their stories and strategies and give you the confidence to have what can often be a difficult conversation. Most definitely. So we have Grant Bomber-Barker here today, two-time world kickboxing champion, speaker and author and strength and conditioning coach who's giving back and helping people rebuild their lives. So welcome, Grant. Thanks uh, for having me. We also have the inspiring and empowering Porky from Allura Surf Club and she'll be sharing the benefits of being a part of the life-saving community and how the club instills those life skills in and the relationships um, about looking after each other. Yeah, and we've also got Mustafa who is an Are You OK ambassador. Now Nat from t- Today List will be sharing some tips and strategies on how to simplify your day, eliminate overwhelm and regain your calm uh, and don't we all need a bit of that? We do. That's sounds yeah I'm, I'm really excited to hear about that one um we've also got sarah joe from so shire who joins us with her environmental highlight segment which is always really enjoyable and yeah educational for everybody yep you're going to be hearing the latest de- details and savings from Southside local and if you're listening to the replay don't forget to rate us and leave a comment tell us what you like now you can also check out our socials because you've been amazing on the socials this week can i just say <laughs> you can follow us on facebook we've got some great imagery going on as well as instagram called shire pod yeah, but first we want to tell you a bit about Cronulla, where we are. I know I've been dying to get here and uh, just, you know, just sit here and watch this view this morning has been amazing. Yeah, so nice in the morning down here. Big grey of sunshine. Yeah. So Cronulla is a beachside suburb of Sydney in the state of New South Wales, Australia, for all our international listeners. It's boasting numerous surf beaches and swimming spots. The suburb attracts both tourists and greater Sydney residents. Did you know, Mum, that Cronulla is only 26 kilometres south of the city? 
yes, Dylan, it's located on the south side of Sydney in the peninsula, surrounded by Port Hacking, Bait Bay, Botany Bay and Gutamutta Bay in the local government area of the Sutherland Shire. Yeah, and the name Cronulla actually comes from the local Aboriginal dialect, Paranulla, which means place of the pink seashells. And the area was originally inhabited by the Weagle people. I've learned at school that Captain James Cook answered his ship endeavour on 29 April 1770 in Botay yeah, this was one of the encounters that classify when modern Australian history was born. This means that the Cronulla area plays a very significant part in the history of Australia. The Gwigal people and the Darawal speaking Indigenous Australian clan and evidence shows that they have been living in the area for about 8,200 years. Yeah, they live by the coast and you can see the signs of its historical significance through the engravings, rock paintings, stencils, shell middens. Now we have got some other episodes about um, about that as well and the grinding grooves which can be found locally. Yeah, so this is one of the first life-saving clubs in Australia um, to be established and their first base was called Tram Carriage. Now the club house in a stunning beachfront art deco building. Yeah, the Bass and Flinders area was mapped and explored in, in 1796 by the British navigators and explorers Matthew Flinders and George Bass and they used their small boat called Tom Thumb that was eventually used to circumnavigate the whole landmass, which is now called Australia. The most southern point of Cronulla has been named Bass and Flinders Point after them. In 1827, Surveyor Robert Dixon named the beaches in the area and the Cronulla Beach actually features a long stretch of sand that runs from Boat Harbour to North Cronulla followed by the Rock Pools and another sandy beach at South Cronulla. The beaches of Cronulla from north to south are Boat Harbour, Wonder Beach, Allura where we are today, North Cronulla Beach, Cronulla Beach, Blackwoods Beach, Shelley Beach and Oak Park. So local names also apply to various parts of the beach such as the alley between Cronulla Beach and North Cronulla the wall between North Cronulla and Allura, midway between Allura and Wanda, and Green Hills to the north of Wanda, sand near the mouth of the Port Hacking and Voodoo Reef and the Point. Yeah, now you were telling me yesterday that um, there's, that's just known by locals, but most of the people in the, world, the rest of the world wouldn't even know that. Do you know anything about that, Correct? No, I've got no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people will refer to the alley or the wall and those kinds yeah. of things. Yeah, the locals just know what, what the those places are. Yeah, now, the beaches are really popular recreation for swimming, surfing, diving, body boarding and other sports so yeah it's quite interesting it is and shark island just just off cronulla beach is a famous surfing and bodyboarding spot and the site of the annual shark island challenge bodyboarding contest mm, I think everyone the, I, comes flocks down to watch i know i think the cool classics down here too isn't it it is definitely yeah. yeah so surfing became increasingly popular amongst both locals and visitors to cronulla and due to the number of people enjoying the waves in the area in 1907 local people and councillors set up the Cronulla Surf Lifesaving Club. I can't wait to hear what our Lifesaver Paul can say about that. She's got some great history around the surf clubs. Yeah, that'll be fantastic to hear. So taking a look at Cronulla today, the rise in tourism, popularity and the beach lifestyle means that Cronulla is now a modern cosmopolitan and thriving place to live and visit. Yeah, we're looking forward to the Cronulla Mall upgrade uh, where there's going to be a children's water play feature as well as a big screen for special events. That's going to be really great for the area. I know. Have you seen it though lately? 
really. It's just COVID has just killed it. I know. There's not as many people around at all. Yeah. So other features include new paving, family-friendly amenity blocks, as well as modern street furniture, arty lighting, and some large of large variety of trees. So they're actually going to be planting them inside the mall. That's going to look beautiful. Mm. Really great. So with this breathtaking beaches, luscious bushland, and rich history, it's a perfect cocktail of nature and culture, whilst being modern and comfortable. The beaches are often used as a training ground for the ADF's high readiness contingency forces. Okay, so we're also looking forward to the Sharks football stadium being rebuilt on Captain Cook Drive. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> what was what was the old one like? I thought it was all right. I thought it was all right too. <laughs> I drove past, and it's a lot yeah. of money. A lot of money. So We've got some great golf courses. Tell me about the tell me about the Cronulla one or the one just over on Cronulla. Yeah, Cronulla golf yeah. course. It's beautiful down there. They've got some really great things. Um, they've got some great food as well. Dom down at the greenery is absolutely fantastic. Beautiful steaks, just them. They change their menu all the time, so it's just. And really you would refreshing. know that because you're designing their menu. Yes, I, do. <laughs> I actually just did their recent menu last week, and um, yeah, there's some yummy things happening. Yeah, and they also hold that awesome um, EXS show. Have you seen that one? Yeah, and yeah. the max, the Sundays to the max, it's just the music that sits there in the afternoons. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's lovely down there, overlooking the golf, the greenery. Yep. So normally around this time of year, we have the Cronulla Spring Fest. Yeah, and about, and I think it's normally November. We have the Walk the Walls, which is that Sutherland Shire Council funding that went towards all the graffiti. Um, well, it wasn't really graffiti; it was art, I would call it. Yeah, the graffiti art, maybe. Yeah, yeah, graffiti art. <laughs> yep. So we're lucky we're enough, lucky yeah, enough to, to be experiencing all the Cronulla has to offer this morning at Bantini's and the stunning Allura Surf Pub. Just listening to all that reminded me actually of the work that I'm doing with the Historical Society and their stories. That um, we, you know, where they talk about facing some really difficult situations in the, over the last hundred years since the Shire has been sort of established. You can hear more about that at the Shire Walk History Tours podcast that's coming out at the end of the month. Now, all right, have we spoken about Cronulla? Does everyone understand how beautiful this place is? Do we un- do we get it yet? Yeah, it's stunning. It's literally at our backyard, so you really need to come down here this summer and support these local businesses. Uh, but now we're going to move on to the topic of the day because. I have come to accept that I am known and do like to take on the big issues. And in previous in previous episodes of this particular podcast, uh, I've been speaking with people who are facing difficult times and this episode is no exception and it's huge because it's devastating for those people and their families who've come to believe that their life is so worthless or that they have no value and enter a darkness which is potentially life-threatening. Yeah, in 2018 there was 3,000 46 people who took their life by suicide and every one of those lives mattered to their family. Are You Okay Day is a reminder that it's okay not to be okay every day. It's a reminder that we have to maintain our mental health every day and that we are our best version of ourselves if we can support others as they are facing overwhelming challenges. Yeah, so on a bigger scale, the current global data from the World Health Organization estimates that 793,000, oh my gosh, suicide deaths worldwide. So most are men. Um, So we'll 
be talking about the gender gap in national plan and strategies to reduce this um, national crisis because men and women have such different mental health experiences and we need to understand so we can support each other. Yeah, a lot of my research goes into this space and um, what we find is it's about that shame and that self-worth are at the very core of well-being. But as you will come to hear, mental health is hugely sensitive. It's a complex issue. We're tangled with a multitude of causes and the very nature of a death by suicide means we can never fully know the reasons behind it. So we just want to say that today's discussion with our guests may trigger some big emotions and memories of traumatic events you have experienced. And we encourage you to reach out to someone you trust or lifeline. But be assured the conversations are going to be informative and our guests come with solutions, strategies and tools to support you wherever you sit on the continuum of mental health. So mental health is not just an absence of illness. It's our confidence, our ability to emotionally regulate and the capacity to respond to life events as they come up for ourselves and others. Yeah, we just want to say that there's a few people online today that are listening, so we really want to welcome them into the podcast. It's Sophie B, Howes, Sarah Jo, she'll be here later on, hopefully, uh, Mark L and Rod. So thank you for joining us, guys. Uh, this is going to be a good conversation because we're now we're going to bring in our special guest because we have been dealt some really crappy stuff for the last 12 months. Yeah, definitely. And we want to tell you it's going to be okay. <laughs> We're going to get through it. <laughs> Our special guests today have faced some big challenges from life threatening events through to supporting others in their mental health recovery. And what you're going to hear is just on the spectrum of fear, anger, frustration, and doubt. And we've all encountered those emotions. Yeah, exactly. So, but first, we do um, want to acknowledge that um, these conversations are not about comparing who had it worse. Trauma can't be judged by the ability to cope, as it often depends on several things like experience, education training, support and awareness. Yeah, now we've created a really safe space for today for our guests. We've spoken to them all and it's something that you can do for other people as well that you love. If you are affected by today's content, we can, you can reach out to us or someone you trust. So if you are listening to the replay of this podcast, we thank you and we hope that you can share it with somebody who you think might need it. Uh, and don't forget to rate us and leave a comment and tell us what you liked. Yeah, for sure. We love don't like trolls. <laughs> so on this beautiful day at Cronulla Beach, um, let's move into the weather. So looking at the weather forecast for Cronulla today, it looks like the showers will clear with a max of 16 and a minimum of 14 degrees. But we are in for a windy afternoon. These winds get up to 25 per hour around 3 p.m. Oh no, just in time for my Oztag training. So Saturday, Saturday looks mostly sunny with a top of 19 degrees and a northeasterly wind picking up in the afternoon. Sunday will be mostly cloudy with a only 20% chance of rain. Perfect for kids Sunday sport. Thank you for that news, Dylan. That was really, really great. So today, um, Dylan's going to speak be speaking with Grant Bomber Barker, two-time world kickboxing champion. So welcome, Dylan. Here we go. Hi, Shirepod. I'm Dylan. Hello, Grant. Why, why do they call you Bomber? <laughs> well, first of all, thanks for having me on the podcast and, uh, and that's a good question, Dylan. Uh, when I was in my fighting career, I used to um, throw these big, big bombs, big punches, and uh, normally knock people out. So that's why they called me Bomber. Everyone started yelling out Bomber, Bomber, Bomber. <laughs> I mean, it just, the name just stuck with me. Kickbox 
guessing sounds awesome. How old were you when you started and why did you get involved? <laughs> well, I was about uh, 23 years old when I started kickboxing and uh, I um, actually become a doorman in King's Cross in nightclubs and pubs so I thought to myself I'd better learn how to, how to fight a little bit better and uh, the guy that I work with was a, was a training kickboxer, I didn't, I didn't even know what kickboxing was and he just said uh, why don't you go to this gym so I just went to the gym in Kingsford and the, the rest is sort of history, I just, I just loved what I was doing, I just went from there. Yeah. What was your most memorable competition or championship win? Yeah, look, I had a lot of um, I had a lot of fights in my career, and probably the the, the most uh, there's probably two two things that happened in my career that were the, were were great, and they were two losses that I had against um, a world champion called Stan the Man Longinides that uh, that taught me a lot in my life and and uh, and made me grow as a person, you know, and I think growing as a person means more than holding the championship belt, you know, so, you know, and, uh, and today we're still friends today, we've done a couple of television interviews together and, but, uh, and losing to him was, uh, at first I thought it was the end of my, oh my God, I can't deal with this, but it was um, something that needed to happen and that made me grow as a person, so that's my most memorable thing. Are there different kinds of kickboxing? Oh yeah, there is, Dylan. There's uh, there's all sorts of different rules. So um, uh, some rules you can you're allowed the elbow. Some rules you can knee. Some rules you can only kick above the waist. So there's a, there's a different there's a lot of different rules. But really, at the end of the day, is it's uh, it's all the same because someone's going to hit you anyway. So so you're going to get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favourite competition of moves? Combination of moves. Oh, What's com- your oh it was always oh, it was always the bomber. Big over, the big overhand right. <laughs> I used to love that, you know. That's what I used the most. That's why I got the name Bobber. What training do you do to stay fit for kickboxing? Oh, look, it's a pretty hard task. But, um, you know, it's a, I, like today, I'm, I'm 57 in a few weeks, and today I, I still train twice a day, five days a week, and one, once once on a Saturday and Sunday. So the, the training that you've got to embark on in, in, in kickboxing, is it's hard work, you know. It's a, it's it's a, you know. As I say to guys that I train, you know, it's a, you know you've got to you've got to condition yourself highly, you know. And, and because you're not playing ping pong, it's, you know someone's going to hit you and you're going to you're going to have collisions from all different areas. So you've got to stay really super fit, you know. So there's some really great questions, Dylan, and I would like to um, ask what have been some of the bigger mental challenges that you've faced with your career and work life. Oh yeah, look, um, with my with my career in particular, I had a severe, a huge self doubt. You know, I ne- never believed in my my own ability. Um, that sort of uh, going into a couple of major fights that was very hard to deal with. And, um, you know, and, and that sort of stuff there is, you know, that doesn't put you in a good state of mind. So even after the wins, you still have that self-doubt that you're not good enough or... 100%. Wow. You know, it's, look, look, I, 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 I tell you a bit of a story on, on one part of it. Um, I remember I went to, a, to somebody, a, a hypnotherapist that I was seeing at the time, and, um, and when I walked out of his office that day, I was fighting for a world title the next week, and... And I remember I said to myself, 
I'm going to win this. And there was no self-doubt in my mind. There was no second voice in my mind at all. And that was the, the time that I felt so secure and so confident what I was going to do. And that was probably the only fight I ever felt like that in. You know, it's, uh, you know, that self-doubt part really, really takes a lot out of you. Know, it really knocks you around a lot. You know? And, and, and so do you find that that's sort of like self-imposed? Like what are those pressures that, that are coming in to create that doubt? But that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I'm good at the question. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm good at the answers. Good at the question. Look, do you know what? I never recognised why they were there mm. um, because uh, I, I just didn't understand why they were there. I just knew that what I had as, as, a, as, a, as a fighter, I had power, I had resilience, I had toughness, I had everything there was, but just didn't simply believe in my own ability. Um, now, whether that was because I something to do with my want, you know, uh, you know, whether I, maybe I didn't want it enough or I don't know, but it was just always there. It wasn't just there in, in competition. It was there in sparring matches. It was there in, it was there in a lot of everything, you know, and, um, and you know, so I, I got no idea what I did. I just, I just knew I had to learn and grow from those, those, those feelings, you know. Yeah. So, um... What other outside pressures did you have to deal with from sponsors, support, teams, fans, critics? Like, what kind of impact does that play? Look, do you know what? I was pretty um, – I'm mentally strong in that area, to tell you the truth. I didn't really worry about what other people thought, especially sponsors and stuff like that and what the general public thought about me as a person. I just knew I had a job to do. And the job was hard because of my of my own self-doubt. You know, and uh, – so yeah, you know, the other the other side of the fence is you know, on that sponsorship, people expecting stuff. Um, you know, I didn't really have a lot of that pressure because I didn't really worry about that too much. You know, yeah. but, you know, like my, my I suppose my biggest thing was people believed in my me more than I believed in myself. And that was that was hard. It's often the case though. Yeah. It's the yeah. come from within. All that doubt builds up. Yeah, you know, I I, I, I train. I train a lot of men over 40 at the moment, and, I, and, I, and a guy that I trained won the Australian Masters boxing title. And anyway, I'll just tell you this bit of a story about self-doubt. And we went to um, up to Caloundra, and, and, and he fought, and he came back in the first round, and he said to me, I can't do this, Bomber. And I said, what do you mean you can't do it? Like, you're winning. Like, what do you mean you can't do it? You know, that just goes what self-doubt does. You know, that yeah. sort of stuff there, it, it really knocks you around if you're trying to get past that, you know. And as I said, I don't know why those feelings come. They just, they're just there, you know. Can I just ask then, like, is there a real fear of, um, I know rejection and failure are huge. Like, it's that what happens after I've been rejected or how do I cope after a failure? Can, can you sort of give us an insight, like, if you were to reflect back now, like, what that would, what were those feelings around those outcomes? Look, you know what, that was, there was always, if, if you had, if you lost a fight, you would always be thinking to yourself, I could have done better because you knew inside yourself that that self-doubt was there and you, and you thought to yourself, if, if that wasn't there, maybe I might have done better. Because even in some fights, I thought I could have actually um, kept going. I felt that I could have done better. Yeah. And that's the thing that knocks you around the most. And you're trying to get over that and you're trying to understand why that happened. You know, you're just, uh, you're just, it's just a feeling that really hurts you. Know, it just gets in there. 
So in um, the boxing industry, is there a lot of help and support like around mental health for the boxers or? Well, there, there wasn't when I wasn't in my career. Yeah. You know, um, you know, I think there was, that's where your sort of your training comes in. You know, if you're a trainer, you've, you've got to be a psychologist, you've got to be a conditioner, <laughs> you've got to be uh, a technical person and that person's got to know you real well. I, I, I remember once I was fighting at Colonel Leaks Club here and I was fighting this guy for the second time when I was coming off a loss of a world title fight so this was six months later I was walking around Cronulla really like just stressing my head off with this self doubt I remember I went into the dressing room and getting a hands bandaged my trainer said uh, what's wrong mate I said I'm, I'm really I'm really worried he said what are you going to be worried about you're Grant Barker the other guy should be worried now over those particular words changed my mindset yep. changed it so language is huge, isn't it? Oh, language it's is huge. Pip, yeah, yeah it's, and it's definitely the way that we frame it up. Like it's even a negative can be a positive, but a lot of people just—it's that underlying negative tone that really can just play with your head. Look, that's so true. I, look, I worked with some special force soldiers about 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 four or five years ago on an event that we did. And we spoke about we spoke to a bunch of people about about forty people about body language. It was incredible what, what you see. You know, we were, we were doing stuff like we were breaking people down physically to rebuild them mentally. And, and, and just the people that you could see that were going to achieve great things in their life just had a different, totally different stand on them, outlook on life, just on tougher people. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing. You know, that, that body language, how they stood. You know, it's, uh, you can, it was just just incredible to watch, you know? Yeah, I encourage a lot of people to invest in that confident communication style. Like really, you know, even if you're not feeling it, just by like emulating that to other people actually breeds it. It's amazing how people can take that on. Like it just sort of ripples effect. I mean, I guess it's exactly the same as negative language. You know, that ripples through, you know, with your own thoughts and sort of turns it around as well. But it's just that sticking point. Of the, even in that moment where you're not feeling confident, if you are, it seems to push you in that direction. Hundred percent. You know, it's um, it just it just made me think of something. People about good. Um, <laughs> you know, just about what you say to yourself. Yeah. You know, and um, uh, like I look, I'm, I look back on my career now, and I look at my life, and I think, wow, like, you know, and uh, I'm not like that anymore. Thank God, <laughs> I haven't got self doubt because every day. I walk around, I go for a walk every day just for my own, my own mental health. And I, I would like to, to walk and just think about things. And every day I tell myself this story. And every 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 day in every way I get better and better. And I don't know how many times I say on the walk, but I say it with a passion. I say it aggressively with a passion. At the end of my walk, I believe I can do anything. I can jump over the half bridge, you know, but you know, that self-talk to ourself is such an important factor, you know, and being around people that are positive and are, you know, and, 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 and do talk well to us. You know, it's just like, it's like my children, you know, like I tell my, tell my sons you're champions. That's awesome. You know, you're great. I love you. You know, because I want, I want them to feel that they're on top of the world because yeah. that's what we all need to go forward in life. Isn't and it? that's your job as a parent is to build that because they come from nothing. So you really need to build that confidence in them and instill their, their belief, their own belief about their abilities so that they don't pull up. 100%. You know, as I say to, say to a friend of mine, if you think about it when your child's born, you've got their, his whole life in the palm of your hands. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and that's, you know, how they achieve how they think, 
what, what they're going to do in their life, uh, in the palm of your hands, by the way you speak to them. Well, it's interesting because Amanda was telling us um, a, week, a couple of weeks ago that you know just by Dylan doing her speech at school, well, she was able to have the confidence to come and, and talk on the on the podcast. Like just even having those opportunities and experiences actually keep building your levels of confidence yeah. up. Hundred percent, she's more confident than I was. <laughs> she's been doing it for a while now. So I, I just want to, I guess I just want to delve here a little bit about, you know, you talk about um, when you had those sort of mental doubts. What were some of the things that you used to do to shift that? To tell you the truth, um, it was hard to shift it. As I said that time I went and hit my therapist and, you know, um, I was always worried about... Well, I, t- I, t- I tell you, the shift it. I remember I used to walk out of the ring with, the, with uh, the, the music thunderstruck from ACDC. <laughs> and I, and look, and I remember, oh, you Aussie classic. <laughs> and I remember one time um, I had a lot of self-doubt because I'd actually, this guy had beat me about three months before. And um, and, I, and I, we were fighting him again at Crown Leagues Club. And I remember this. Like I was, I, I meditated every single day on this fight and how I wanted to win it. And uh, I remember, I remember just going out. You know, we, we were just at the, the, the doors before we went out. My trainer said to me, "Do you feel alright?" I said, "No, I'm really scared." <laughs> he said, "Something I'm very scared too." But you yeah. know, just you know, I just, I just took a big breath. I just thought, you know what? I'm just going to do this, and we and we just went out and do it. And sort of like every step I took, the ring I felt like I was growing and growing and growing. Yeah. And I suppose that mental, you know, with the music and that just understanding, just going. Oh, we, we, I'm just doing it. I'm just going to do it, and just jumped out there and did it. And, uh, it paid off, you know. Yeah, you were saying um, when you actually lost, that was actually good for you, like you saw the positives in that in the end. So um, I guess the biggest mental challenges, um, there's a lot of mental challenges for men to overcome. So what can you share about this for other men who are just have got big challenges or not feeling great? Like what would you suggest to them to get through things like that? You know, you know what? In life, I, I look at life this way. Like, I, so I'm not severely visually impaired, so I'm legally blind. And um, I walk around every day doing my own stuff. I don't have a stick. I used to have a guide dog. I gave a guide dog back because I thought, you know what, man, this is uh, this is just taking all my all my all my independence away. Yeah. You know, and I just look at life like this. You know, like, stuff happens in life. It's and it's gonna keep happening every year, every day, all the time until 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 our lives end. And we've just got to learn to deal with whatever's happened. You know, and, and that's the hard part because most of us, as you know, like in my village, that's how that's what we're talking in, in today's life, there's not a lot, you know, people don't have to know how to deal with adversity. And if we can deal with adversity and look at it on a, on a different level and say, you know what, man, that's happened, I'm just going to go in this direction get over that and go forward. Yeah, and I can say to that, there's a lot of avoiders out there and that by actually avoiding, you just know, you don't know what you're missing out on by not taking up the opportunity. Look, you know, what I was taught in my life was make a positive out of a negative. Mm. If something happens, it happens. If we can't change what happens, we can only become a better person for that, you know? Yeah. There are there are a lot of programs out there now set up to help people who are going through these hard things. Um, what do you think the barrier is, though, for people, you know, to get that help or to admit that they're, they're struggling? Look, 
as I said, said I, train, I train most men over 40. And, you know, the hardest part when, it, when something's inside of a man's mind is I use fitness as that tool. You know, so I believe the better you feel about yourself physically, the better you're going to be mentally. You know, and the better you know, you're, you're better. You've got relationships with your with your partners better. And you know, it's just a matter of making the commitment to get there. You know, and to get there and do what you're going to do. You know, and that's a difficult part. You know, most of my guys that I train are depressed. Um, they're severely overweight. Um, you know, there's a lot of pressure out there for those guys. You know, they you know, they a, a man's got a, you know, he's, he's head of the family. He's got to pay the mortgage. He's got to pay the car. He's got to put the kids through school. Do you know what we call that? The burden of male primacy. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it's so a true. it's a it's a horrible thing. But we are actually socially conditioned to feel and and be that way. Even with um the way that we look, you know, we're conditioned to be look a certain way. Otherwise, we feel bad about ourselves. So, true. so we need to just be a real at a real level of acceptance of where we're at at any particular time. And any mother can attest to that when you've got you know come home from that giving birth to that child and your body does not look the same, there is a real issue there. Well, that, that, that's, you know, that's what I mean about the, these guys. I mean, if, if, if you're, you're in relationships, if, if you're both not attracted to each other, it's not going to work. So, you know, like, you know it's, it's, it's about being healthy and, 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 and both doing that sort of stuff. You know, and then everything is better. Because if, if you're, you're not going to, a lot of men, if, if their personal life is on cue, everything's on cue. Mm. Yeah, there's no barriers between work and home anymore. It's not that you can't have that attitude that you leave it at work or you leave it at home. It's really got to be a balance on both ends. That's so true. I've got this this thing, I know. I believe, you know, at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter about how beautiful our house is or how amazing our car is. Cares about the people that are around us that we love, their health and their fitness because you can't take anything else to the grave again. You know, but only the people that we love, you know, the love we've given, the love that we've received. You know, I think the, 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 the better you better you see yourself, the better life's going to be, you know. Yeah, and it's hard to turn it around, I think, when some of the people are in that dark space. So it is, it, it, and I guess it comes back to, you know, that are you okay day thing that we've got going today, which is really about, you know, um, giving people the opportunity to, to express themselves because I think we do feel a little bit better when we've said something you know we feel that the burden's been lightened we're not carrying it all by ourselves and like I've got Megan online at the moment and she said that Hamlet said it best nothing is either good or bad only making it so so it's sort of like Ooh, that yeah I do love that one yeah and we've got Julie online and Chrissy and Penny Underwood she was a guest a couple of weeks ago as well as Tam and Steph Ray there are a lot of our shy women there tuning in today because one of my passions is helping women to support men who are dealing with their own mental crisis. I mean, I think our generation in particular is very much uh, like a sandwich generation. You know, I'm teaching my boys to be, you know, respectful and have all of that, you know, self-confidence to be who they are and not feel that burden. But I know that the older generation, like my grand, my grandparents, especially my my parents, are living that still. They've still got those attitudes, and our generation is very much the attitude of, well, I don't know which way to go. Like I don't know where the middle ground is. It feels like you're being pulled to have old social traditions, but have this new age man. So true. <laughs> so true. So it's really hard to find the balance. It's what I've, you're right. Like today, today. I don't know if I'm right. I don't like being right. Look, today, right, I take my girlfriend out for something to eat. 
She goes, I'll pay for this. Yeah, I say, it's my job. Hey, it's my job. And she goes, no, no, I'll pay for this. I think to myself, yeah. Back in my day, we were taught to open the door. That's what I'm saying. Put yeah. the petrol in the car for the woman. And all that's changed. But I'm, I'm just saying, well, I believe we need to go back to that. We need to go back to respect. We need to go back to united relationships, old school way, because that works. Well, I'm going to challenge you on that because I actually don't think it does work. I think we just need to learn to respect that some women like to do stuff for themselves. And they do, they feel empowered by that. And if you can understand that, you just don't take it personally, that when they say, actually, no, I'll pay for that, it's about them, not really you. It's not disrespecting you. That that's so yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. So I want you. I want you to really think about it because that's something that I try to encourage men to understand as well. It's, it's actually not about you. It's not. But that's your belief. That you have that burden. So. That's interesting you say that because I actually went out for dinner last night and I said, "Oh, it's a, yeah, look, it's a, you know, I can I can see that and look, I think that the modern day woman is extremely independent. Yeah. Very independent. Yeah. You know, and, um, and that's good. That's good because on the other flip side, we've got all these other women that are quite, you know, you are dependent and you are financially trapped or, you know, emotionally, you know, um, discarded. Like there's, there's a whole thing around that as well because you're not as, not, don't feel like you are worth as much, you know, if you're not bringing in money or if you're only raising children. There's all those attitude, old attitudes that don't work. Yeah, that is true. I remember when my father worked, like, you know, worked really hard, my mum. Back then, my mum, she cooked, you know, she did cleaned, everything cleaned else. the house, you know, <laughs> did the ironing, did yep. the washing, all that sort of stuff, and that just worked. Yep. You know, and, uh, and as I say to my girlfriend, that's how I, that's how I see life. That's all I know, you know. It's, um, there's another way. Let me tell you, there's another way, Greg. <laughs> but it's different. It's also different now, too, in terms of society. A lot yeah. of the time, you know, you have, both parents have to be working. Yeah. So you have to do that juggle. And, you know, my husband, you know, he does all the washing because we have to share that scenario. And he loves it. I hear and he's he loves happy it. to do it because, oh you know, oh he, and he puts it away. He does all of that side of it. And we just have that different balance, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it works. Yeah. Now, I do, I do really appreciate this conversation because I know that we could probably go deeper, but I actually do need to play a recording from a couple of weeks ago. I got the, the honour of interviewing Gus Walland at the 24-hour row, and, um, and he's doing some great work in that space, and I know that he's on this platform as well, just sort of, you know, um, really trying to make a difference for men, because he's got two programs, one for men and one for women, and we're going to listen to what he's got to say and a little bit about the interview, and come back and talk about the gender differences, because we've got Porky here, who's going to uh, <laughs> tell us a little bit about, you know, what Surf Life Saving does as well. Hello, Mrs. Sleepman, how are you? Kim Ray from Tripod, how are you today? Yeah, no, my pleasure. And I've just found the mayor. Here he is, Carmelo Pesky. Hello. How you going? I just don't make um, I don't make mayors like that. It's Steve Peach. He is the CEO of the New South Wales Surf Life Saving Club. Okay, we're talking with Jeff Bud today. Hello, how are you? Uh, it wasn't me myself. It was the uh, boat captain, Michael Boffinger. Uh, I'm Michael Boppinger from North Cronulla. I'm the boat captain of North Cronulla. I'm uh, Dave Brexton. I'm North Cronulla Row as well. David and I are lifelong friends. And so- <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now we've got one more interview to do, and that's Donna. Uh, she's coordinating the event today. It's the club secretary. <laughs> We're going to go live in the 
and good afternoon, Shire Podians. We are live from North Cronulla Surf Club. Okay, we're talking with Jeff Budd today and Gus Wallen himself because he's down here for the 24-hour row fundraiser. Tell us about it. Yeah, no, it's very exciting. Started three years ago on the northern beaches with one club, Avalon, and then all of a sudden a few other northern beaches came on board and now we've got 18 around Australia and even some that have struggled through COVID. They've grabbed, you know, the erg and they've got them at homes of certain people and stuff too. So we're very, very lucky. And we started off with about a $50,000 target. We smashed through that even before the first bit of rowing started. So yeah, it's extremely humbling and emotional today when I'm be driving around to all these clubs, realizing that, um, you know, the money will come to gotcha for life to build mental fitness um, amongst guys that are obviously physically fit, but we need to get the head Tell right. Tell me a little bit more about that, about what the programs are and what you're running. Well, the main ones are uh, Tomorrow Man and Tomorrow Woman. What it takes to be a man today, what it takes to be a woman today, compared to perhaps what the rules were set all those years ago, trying to live up to a stereotype that's just really difficult. It's still the number one way to die if you're an Australian male is suicide. It's tragic. The numbers are awful. The numbers through COVID have got even worse. So it's time to put a line in the sand. And that's what all these clubs are doing is saying, right, we need to build the mental fitness of our members, just like the physical fitness, and try to get an overall rounded person to be able to get through stuff because life unfortunately is throwing a whole lot of stuff at us at the moment that we're not coping very well with. So a little bit of education on that with all the money raised going back into your club. So your members will get whatever money is sent uh, into Gotcha for Life. I think we just need to listen. The yeah. girls need to listen. We all need to listen yeah. and, and, and and then ask the question, probably. Ask the question. But we haven't had the training yet, so we don't know. But that's what we, we do as mates. And uh, and we've always, we're always there for any one of the young kids. And, and I've got like a 24, 22 and a 20-year-old kid. And, and they are all they all go through their different um, ups and downs nowadays because of that Facebook and, and Instagram. They, there's so much pressure on them. So thinking, oh, they're doing someone else is having a better life than I am or we are we're living in God's country so yeah, yeah. God's country when you walk when you drive over the bridge you, you, you turn up at God's country and that was a really insightful interview there I was down there for the day and it was a really, really I know. Fun thank you day. for coming down no, with it was me really great. <laughs> so they actually raised over fifteen thousand dollars and collectively 18 clubs were aiming to raise over fifty thousand wow and they actually smashed that before the event even started so that was really cool so, so the where's money, the money going then well it's going to pay for mental health um, course for the clubs so um, yeah okay well that's good well that, that's gonna be dropped to about 12 o'clock today that episode um, now at this point I'd like I'd like to bring in my good friend, and she's a mum of one gorgeous pilot to be, wife to one of the original Terrible Rough Guys, a committee member on the Allura Surf Club, and she is lifesaver Porky Mackay. Now, I've known Porky for a long time, and we share similar history, interests in health, fitness, and we're both a little crazy from our time in the cops, but we are in recovery and also have massive supporters of the frontliners, including your second family with Allura Surf Lifesaving Club. Now, you told me that your club also did that 24-hour row. How did it go? Yes, we. Um, I'm not sure how many times it's been going. I don't know how many years it's been going. I think three. Right. Yeah. I don't know if Allura was involved before, but this year we had two teams going for the 24 hours. We had about um, 80 or 90 members involved. Um, Allura raised $7,000 towards that 
that that um, total, and they raised one hundred and twenty thousand. Wow! I, yeah, I didn't oh. hear the total at the yeah. end. One hundred twenty thousand, oh, and awesome. um, yeah, they That's had a great huge. time. Great time. It was girls, boys, old people, young people. But what was the atmosphere like? Because down even down at North Cronulla, it was quite electric. Like people walked past, and they were excited. And it was we outside. Had, we had ours inside, oh, okay. so it was a little bit, a little bit tamer. Yeah. But yeah. Everybody loved it. Lots of support from the whole club. Yeah, everybody got involved. And how many uh, kilometres did they say? I think they said they did over 800 kilometres, the team, the two teams. Wow. And how many how many people in total then? Were About doing eighty or ninety. Yeah, they were, they were in half hour slots. Some oh, people okay. were brave and did more than half an hour, and some saw, people did half. I an saw hour. this one where it was like this, you know, this like paddling. It wasn't a row. It was this. There's a paddling have machine. The paddling like machine. A I've machine. never seen that before. Yeah. That was. Fantastic. Most of the surf clubs have those because of the specific training they do. Yeah. The surf, they would have been great for my training days. I would have loved that machine. Yeah. Well, you could probably still get back into it. Could I? Yeah. Do I want to? Yeah. yeah. Okay. We'll talk about that There's later. There's room on the we? beach for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> Most of us. Now, listen, I have been researching and commenting on mental health for over 25 years, and it's become very clear to me that men and women deal with it differently. Now, Gus program, Gus's programs actually recognise that. They have Tomorrow Man and Tomorrow woman courses um, can you share some of the differences now we've got Grant and Porky here so we've got two different perspectives but can you share some of the differences that you've had with, um, with you know those encounters with men about their mental health compared to women I think like most things in life women are probably more able to express themselves with everything um, I know I'm married to a, a career police officer and a career Australian soldier and of course after 40 years in both you've got to have mental health issues he's in denial doesn't think there's anything wrong with him we all know there is whereas me I sit back and go yep I'm a fruitcake I need help you're not I you know I, I don't know. I mean, we all do it differently, but yeah. I have girlfriends that were the same, but I just think generally women can accept their issues a little bit mm. easier than men because like like Omar, Omar, yeah. Omar said, men have just got to be big and tough. I mean, they've got to be bulletproof and they've got to be, you know, strong and lead the way. And, and I think more than anything, they don't want to show any any um, insecurities or, or imperfections to their children mainly and, and, and maybe their parents. They think they're letting the team down if they have anything wrong with them. And I, I know in the cops it wasn't even spoken about if you had any issues. Like you just, you didn't. Well, and also 20 years ago they were carting you off to a hospital to lock you up for a weekend yeah. if you had yeah. any sign I mean, I, I, I joined 35 years ago and I know I was 19 and young and silly, but I don't, nobody spoke about it. It was just, you just didn't hear about it. And so I love it now that we do speak about it and we can talk about it and we all, you can have a laugh about it, a cry about it or whatever, but... It's here, it's real and... I mean, in that particular industry as well, like, do you think that there there is a need to treat men and women differently because of the trauma that you, that you see every day? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I worked in, um, in child protection and I'm not saying men aren't affected by child protection differently to women, but I think being a mum and having kids, 
you have a different view on it to, 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 to men do. So mm. absolutely you need different different treatments, different programs, different support, whatever. Yeah. What do you reckon, Grant? You want to pipe in here and tell us a bit of the differences that you've seen between when you're training men and women. So is there a, is there a difference? Yeah, there's a, there is a big difference, I think. Um, and that's okay, isn't it? Like, it's okay to have those differences. It'd be very boring if we were all the same. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. But, but I feel like men have a lot of ego. You know, and uh, we, we do have a lot of ego. And, um, oh, we're okay. Everything's fine. You know, it's, uh, but we're not. You know, and uh, what you said about, it's true. Like, we, we, we shut up shop a lot. You know, we don't speak a lot. And only because most men don't understand what they're actually feeling. You know, when you don't know what you're feeling, how do you say it? You know, it's uh, so... But we're not encouraging our boys either to invest in those emotions. It's like that investigation of what it is that we're feeling. And then to be vulnerable enough to put it out there. Uh, yeah, articulate. Well, look, with my sons, I've got five sons. The oldest one's 33. The youngest one is 13. Obviously, the other boys, the three older boys, they're men. They do their own stuff. The younger boys... I grab them, I hold them. I say, mate, if you don't tell me what's going inside your mind, I can't fix it. You know, so you got, I teach my boys to be like that, you know, to, to open up, tell me what's wrong with it, you know, because it's important. You know, I think when I, when I was growing up, we were old school. You know, it's a clip across the ear, you sat there, you weren't allowed to speak until you have spoken to, and, you know, my, and there was no emotion there, there was no anything like that, at least... And I, I learned from that. Well, I don't want to be like that with my kids. I want to be their best friend. Hey, there's a line between best friend and a parent. So I try and teach them, hey, what's going inside your mind? And you it, touched on something really interesting then when you said, if you don't know, you can't fix it. And I think that's something that a lot of people have in their heads, especially women, where we feel that we need to fix other people's problems. Yeah. That, and that's really taking away their self-belief that they can do it themselves, they can work it out. Have you, like, do you find that's a big difference for men and women? Like, where women feel like they need to fix the problem for their kids, fix the problem for their husbands, like, and make it right? I sort of think both ways. I think, I think, like, my husband can't just accept something for what it is. He has to fix it. So if I, if I'm not well or I've broken my arm or something, fix it, fix it, fix it. Like, yeah. No, just let it be. You know, I'm, I'm having a bad day. My knee's not well or whatever, but fix it. But then on the other side of it, I think mums do have to fix it. I think um, if there's anything wrong with my son, I want to fix it. Whereas my husband might not have even noticed it. Whereas I can I can pick my son up from school and within 10 seconds of him being in the car. Yeah, you just know. I know. And I go, how was your day? And he goes, not good. And I've encouraged him. Having, being married to an old school, pig-headed, don't talk about anything, go and hide in the garage and pretend there's nothing wrong husband, I don't want my son to be like that. Yeah. So we do have a – and my husband's been away for maybe half of my son's life being deployed overseas, so it's been me. And maybe that's why I have got that closer intuition with with yeah. my son, but definitely want to fix it. I, I, I want to. I'd rather feel the pain that he's feeling rather than him feel the pain that he's feeling. Yeah. But it's it's a delicate line you've got to walk because you want them to be resilient. Like you said, kids don't seem to be as resilient as they as we were. I don't know whether they were re- as resilient. I don't know. It's just difficult to 
it's different though because there's different situations happening now there's different things that kids have to deal with I guess I've thought about it since I'd spoken to Paula about coming here today and I think I used to think in my day we didn't talk about this but there didn't seem to be as it didn't didn't seem to be as prevalent I don't know whether it was and it wasn't reported Mm -hmm. but now we do talk about it so much so more often and easier yet the rates of suicide have never been higher you know that and I just think did we have a suicide back then and it wasn't reported it wasn't cared about or whatever I, I don't know I don't know whether talking about it is making it I don't know more accessible to do it I, I don't know like it's, it's just I think, I think this is why it's so complex and it's so sensitive because you really don't because because if they do I mean they do conduct a lot of research on people that attempt it and women are more likely to attempt suicide than men but men are more successful at it because they choose much a much more violent yeah. method and they're much more committed to it because failing to commit suicide is actually more of a shame yeah. whereas women will go oh, okay well you know maybe that was a silly idea they're actually able to accept it a lot more than say men would be but even around that like how do you like you can't find out because they're dead you don't know why they did it you don't know how deep it went um, for them to actually take that next step and we've dealt with so many of them haven't we like I've, we've, I've attended so many suicides and you just sit there and you question what was that last you know four or five seconds where they went I don't know I don't have anybody to speak to and that's where the pain is and my thoughts on that have changed from one end of the spectrum to the other when I first joined the cops and people would commit suicide I used to get really angry and think you selfish, selfish person <laughs> why did you do that you've left behind your wife your kids your mother your father yeah. whatever but having gone full circle and had a lot of people commit suicide that I know I know that they're not even thinking that way I mean they're not in their last moments they're not thinking oh poor mum poor whoever they're just in a state well they feel like they're a burden they're in their problems are so big and there's no way out they're at the bottom of a really 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 deep hole and they there is no escape there is no alternative that's where it's so important to teach young kids I guess the strategies to potentially help them deal with when they're feeling like this or that kind of thing because when you want them to be able to express themselves and I guess the are you okay day thing does help you start that conversation but we have to carry it on I feel like we need a text message every morning though to sort of you know do that regular check in and regulate your emotions and work out you know that today might be a bit of a slower day because you're not as you know you're not feeling as confident or maybe I need to engage in a little bit more activity or social interaction to build you know that confidence level back up because I think that self-worth and confidence is really the core elements that we're talking about and that confidence is so important um, like really for for mental health especially with men I had a guy that come to me that was 150 kilos he'd had a stroke and a heart attack and um, so I was hardcore training this guy and he sat on my lounge at the gym and he said uh, can you help me I said yeah I can help you this guy was drinking 24 beers a day. And I said, mate, you've got to change your life or you're not going to be here very long. 
I put that guy on a rowing machine and I just gave him a, a little goal. Like, you're going to row 300 metres in this amount of time. He did that and his whole demeanour changed. And that guy was 63 years old, ended up 96 kilos and the fittest guy in the gym because he had confidence in himself. Yeah. Because he was achieving just a little goal, just a little thing. So that he felt better and better and better. And I find most of the guys that I train, you give them just a little thing, just a little thing to, to feel good about themselves, they start to change. Yeah. You know, it's, um, and, and, and so that confidence part is, is really important, you know. Agree. And I think men especially are goal-driven. Mm. If you can dangle a carrot in front of them, you get to that, you've achieved something, and they just they can tick it off, tick it off, tick it off. Mm, that's whereas, so true. whereas women, women are probably goal driven, but they. I'm okay with failing. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the biggest klutz ever. <laughs> but you learn from those experiences. Well, there you go. I'm not. Away. I, don't, I don't like it, but I certainly, yeah, I just, I don't know. I just. I figure that I'm I, a bit all or nothing. Yeah. Um, if I'm if I'm bad, I'm eating a whole packet of Tim Tams. You know. That's yeah, you can't eat, you can't eat one, can you? You can't eat one Tim Tam. They design it so that you eat the whole. It's a serving size. Packaging makes it do that. Serving size. It tastes pretty good, eh? Um, now, I, I guess this is where we sort of move through this part of the conversation. That you know, you've obviously been there for other people and you've supported them through their mental health challenge. What does it feel like to be that person? Well, like you said one minute ago, we need to check in with our friends more regularly than on Are You OK Day. I want to thank all those ones that got back to me last night as well. Are You OK Day. (laughs) I'll be honest, I actually felt a little bit cheesy sending a Are You OK message on our Are You OK Day because there's some that I hadn't checked in with for a while and then, I don't know, that one even wrote back and went, ha, ha. I'm doing okay, how are you, you know? And then I went, oh. So I think Are You Okay Day is wonderful. I drove down here past the school next to where I live and they've got Are You Okay all over the front of it, year 11 and 12, doing it hard. They're doing the HSC next week or whatever. And and it's great that kids are doing it, but I'm going to make it the effort now to do it more regularly than yeah. are you okay now? Look, I can do it. Gus does um, three people every day. He just picks three people from his phone and he just makes sure that he connects with somebody. Like, yeah. And he's saying it's no longer just a once a year yeah. annual reminder. And of the people I did send them to, I got the ha-ha, I'm okay. I got one from my niece who works at Liverpool Domestic Violence Unit. She wrote back and said, I've had a really bad day. I felt like jumping out the window. I know that was tongue in cheek, but you know, bad day at the office. And then I had another one saying, "I had a really, I've had a really shitty week. Thanks for checking in." So you know, you do get the mixed, yeah, the mixed of everything. And I could we say before, don't take it personally. No, you do actually care about them, but their response is normally reflective of where they're actually at. And I do like the the, the little flow chart. Are you okay? Is the first question, but you need to back it up. So I then did reply with a couple of. <laughs> <laughs> You're okay. You're okay. I can come and chat anytime you like. Let's yeah. go for a walk. And one strategy I really love um, using is taking them back to when I knew them, like what they were like as a, you know, like especially as friends from when I was 17 and 25 or, you know, when I was a bit younger. You know, this is what I remember about you. You're always happy. You're always smiling, you know, because I think life just starts to weigh us down. So going back to those memories and going, yeah, I did actually you were like the, the chick that walked through the door and made me laugh or, you know, the funny one. And that's sort of brings them back to 
to that, that you know, who are who am I? What what's my identity? Yeah, so true. You know, even 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 guys, you know, like uh, I I when my, I see my friends, I give them a cuddle, big cuddle, you know, and say, yeah, okay, buddy, everything all right. Even that just helps people so much, and especially especially guys, because most guys are like, don't cuddle me, you know, like I just come here and give them a cuddle and stuff like that. And it's only that's important to show that emotion that way as well, you know. After I left the police, I went and did massage therapy at TAFE. And I had one teacher that was really big on the power of touch, and it's amazing, um, just the power of touch. Mm. Giving someone a hug, something as simple as giving someone a hug, um, touching someone, holding their hand, yep, yep. it just makes you feel better. It makes your body redu- you know, release whatever pheromone or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah. But if you're having a bad day, if someone gives you a hug, it really does make it a bit easier. Yeah, that's awesome. It is, isn't it? Yeah, it's, so, it's so much better, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I say to my son all the time, I know you don't need a hug, but I need a hug, so let's have a hug. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so lovely. Yeah. So we talk about leadership and vulnerability in mental health. So what's one of the one quality or attribute um, that you have that you think others admire? Like why would they come to you if they're struggling or wanting some advice? I love this question. <laughs> well, I think with myself, um, I'm a pretty knock-around guy and you know, I've achieved a fair bit in life as far as sporting goes. And um, a lot of guys come to me because they respect who I am. You know, it gives me the ability to be able to connect with those guys and they trust me. You know, and, um, you know, like, and, uh, that's the big thing about someone speaking to you and someone reaching out to you is, is trusting you. You know, and I've got friends, oh, look, I left school in 1979. I've got friends that I haven't seen face to face for 30 years that still reach out and talk to me, still talk to these guys on the phone. You know, and it's, um, and that's what it takes. I mean, if you trust somebody and respect somebody, you'll reach out to somebody. So anybody that, you know, that's what it means. So you can't just reach out. To People won't reach out to just anybody. They've got to reach out to somebody that they, that they connect with and respect. You know, and it, it, sometimes it, it's different. But, you, know, you know, sometimes with your kids, you tell your kids something and, and they, it doesn't sink and then somebody totally out of the blue tells them something and they do it. Well, they People, listen to other That's people. what I told you before. <laughs> <laughs> Joys of parenting. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me how about that. Yeah, so um, what about you, Paul? Because have you had a situation where someone's come to you and they're really not great? Like how do you, how would you respond to something like that? Um, I think people reach out to me a little bit because I was a cop <laughs> and they think that I'm big and strong and I've been there and done that and can deal with that and all that sort of stuff. She's one of my strong friends. Yeah, and I like to... I've always, like, I'm, I'm, I'm glass half full. I'm, I'm positive. I, I will, walk, I will drive down to Cronulla and think, I'm going to get a park at the front of the shop. Whereas my sister would be thinking, I'm never going to get a park today. Positive mindset. Yeah, I'm positive mindset because I've had to be. I mean, I know with my husband going away, you know. My mum would ring up and go, oh, you know, I hope Rippard's okay over there. Of course he's okay. You know, and you have to be positive. I mean, and that's not always good, I know, because you've got to be positive for everyone. But, yeah, I'm not sure. Um, and I speak my mind as well, and that's a good thing and a bad thing. But I think people know they're going to get the truth out of me. And if they want if they want advice or whatever, I'll, I won't sugarcoat it. I'll say it how it is. No. No, it's great. Well, it's I, really good to have well, these yeah. And I think the, la- the last question I want to ask both of you is about um, how, when you're in that role, 
how do you manage yourself so that it doesn't become consuming and it doesn't become uh, and it doesn't impact on your own well-being? So there is a lot of you know. I like, don't. Okay. Yeah. You, don't, you take it all I on. I wanted an answer to that one. I needed that. No. I take we all it all have on. That. Yeah. Where's be, the boundaries? And then I'll wake up at three in the morning going, oh wow, I should have said this. I should yeah. have said that. And and I think that's all part of my my struggle yeah. to keep on top of men, my mental health issues is. If something happens at the beach and and then I'll be thinking about what I could have done better, what I should have done better, I, I need to phone that person and see how they are and tell them this and tell them that and running through the protocols of how to support. Yeah. And, I, and being a mum and being the older person and being there's not I'm, I'm the only female trainer at Allura Surf Club so I feel as if I've got to take on the role of mother hen. Yeah, mother hen, mother hen. What about you, Bomber? Um, I, I, a lot of guys reach out to me, but I, I don't take that on myself mentally, you know, because, um, you know, like I'm just a guy that goes, you know, man, you just got to deal with this and I've got friends here that love you, and I don't take their problems inside my mind. You know, and plus, I'm, I, as, as, as I say, I use fitness to over, overcome that sort of stuff. So I'm, I'm always going to be there, so I'm pretty lucky, you know, but, um, you know, yes, yeah, so like, because. If, if I took if I took it on all the time, I'd be thinking, oh my God, such and such is leaving his wife, and this is happening. Oh, like I'd be driving me crazy. Yeah. yeah. So, but you know, and, I, and, I, and, I, and these guys look at me as a, as, a, as a strong man. You know, so to me, that's what I need to portray. I'm one of these guys that you know what you got to you got to be the person, show the people that you're that person. You know, and uh, sort of lead by example. So that's sort of what I do. Mate. But do you have moments when you're not that strong person? Never. Right. Yeah, oh. never. Yeah. We're going to break you yeah. <laughs> That's our mission. <laughs> You've given us a challenge for today. Well, I just look, you know what, everybody goes through stuff in life and I just think, I'm not going to bind my life, but I'm just saying the stuff that has happened in my life, I just think to myself, well, I've dealt with that. So, you know, so Move on. Move on. Yeah. Move, go don't don't yeah. waste precious yeah. energy dwelling on what... Did happen. Yeah, exactly right. You know, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I look at I look at a particular person that's got the, the same attitude as my young daughter, Brenda. She's eleven years old, and she got leukemia when she was fifteen months old, and battled through it and battled through it and battled through it. And I look at her. I got so much respect for her. She's one of these people that just goes, "Oh, well, Dad, that just happened. Let's keep going." You know, it's, and like, I, I, I take her attitude because it's awesome. You know, it's, it's the less stuff you got to worry about in your life. Well, we really want to thank you for coming along today and sharing so much with us, Grant. It's really been really, really enjoyable. Um, and if people want to follow you, they can follow you on Instagram, Grant Bomber Barker. Um, they can check out your website for the different things and programs for kickboxing. Yep, and for anyone who is ready to kick ass inside the boxing ring, where can they sign up and what can, where is where are you located? I'm located at Strong Arm Boxing, and, um, which is uh, in Kora Road, Karimba. So anybody that wants to come down, hit, hit me up on social media and let's, let's get rock and roll. Grant Bomber Barker from Strong Arm Fitness in Karimbar and he really is making a difference to so many lives and we want to thank him for his time. 
And Di will be back with us in part two, along with Mustafa from Are You OK? He's an ambassador who's going to share with us not only the story and the purpose behind the Are You OK? movement, but how the brand is building a safe space for those conversations that really are making a difference. Di shares with us why she joined the Surf Life Saving Club at Allura, the community that is being created and how every adult has a responsibility to keep our children safe. So join us in part two where we also speak with Nat from the Today List as well as Sarah Jo from So Shire. The Being There podcast is proudly brought to you by the Local Business Awards and is produced by ShirePod, the community digital platform, making sound waves in the Shire and giving everyone a voice.